It's, uh, it's been a while since I've been to the doctors. I don't know about you, but uh, certainly it's been a while since I've been with any kind of throat complaint. Uh, but I can still remember as a kid being told to uh, stick out my tongue and say, ah. Uh, I don't know why. I don't know why the sound ah is particularly important. Perhaps somebody here who's uh, been a doctor or a nurse or someone can tell us uh, why that is. But uh, it seems to be an important sound I mean, uh, whatever it is medical professionals find that when they look at our tongues they can diagnose things about about our health about how we physically are they even have a special kind of implement it's called a tongue depressor it's nothing to do with making you feel emotionally sad it's to do with holding your tongue down while they look down your throat uh, it's kind of like a wide lollipop stick. They could just use lollipop sticks, isn't it? Uh, throat infections, chest infections, all kind of respiratory stuff can be checked out by looking at our looking at our tongues. So today we're going to have a little health check. We're going to have a little health checkup, both me and you. Uh, we're going to let God, the great physician, give us a checkup using our tongues to diagnose us as we stick them out and go ah is that okay everybody just stick your tongue out and go ah uh. if you're watching from home i can only say that you've missed uh, something that was fairly horrible to look at it was uh, not pleasant from where i stood but uh, uh uh maybe you did it at home as well i don't know uh this passage from james is going to guide us through this health check if you're taking notes we're going to look at this under three points. Uh, the power of the tongue, the monitor of the heart, and the key to following. Uh, you'll want to keep the, your Bible open or have it open on your phone, I think, because we're going to jump backwards and forwards a little bit through the passage. So uh, the power of the tongue, kicking off in verse 1, but then we're going to jump ahead a little bit. Uh, how significant is this issue of, of speech? end of the tongue uh, the monitor of the heart that'll be kicking off sort of in verse six but then again jumping forward a bit there um how are our words really a a diagnosis a monitor of, of what's happening uh, a diagnosis of our spiritual state and then the key to following there we're in verse two but then we're jumping forward to seven and eight um how can we change how can we do something if this diagnosis is what we suspect it is so keep your bibles open as we as we jump backwards and forwards there our first point then the power of the tongue although the tongue is only a small part of our body it has a huge impact i think we can see that in a fairly straightforward way from the examples that that james has for us here Let's look at verses 3 to 5 there. It gives us a couple of different examples. Um, we speak thousands of words every day, typically between fifteen and 25,000 words every day. Uh, I'm not sure how aware we always are of the input they have, of the impact they have. Uh, James gives us a couple of examples. These would have been familiar to the folks at the time they were used by 
uh, Greek philosophers at the time, very common. Um, not so common now. Uh, it might be like us saying to a kid or something, the, the pen is mightier than the sword, something like that, something that they would we would recognize. Uh, verse 3, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. The bits, the metal rod, you put in the bit, apparently, put in the bit of a mouth, in the mouth of a, of a horse. Mm. Um, the ride of the king then used the reins to control the whole animal. Yeah, big horse controlled by a little piece of metal. Uh, that's got to be important at this time, right? Your horse might be your transport. If you're a farmer, it's, it's a significant part of your agricultural machinery. If you're in the army, it's your, your tank and even your, your weapon, perhaps. It's a, the bit is a small piece of kit, but it's got a, a large impact. Likewise, the, the rudder on a sailing ship. It's small in comparison to the whole ship, James says. Uh, without the rudder, you're pretty much going in the direction the wind blows. You know, if the wind's blowing that way, that's the way you're going. Uh, you have to wait for the wind to go in exactly the right direction, and then you're off. Uh, with a rudder, you can head off in other directions. You can harness the power, the great power of the wind to head off in, in other directions. Uh, the, the, the wind is harnessed so that it can be, the, the ship can be turned into the, the direction the pilot or the captain wants to go in. Uh, verse 5, more negatively perhaps, James says that the, uh, how, how great forest fires start from a small spark. And we know this, don't we? If we, see, if we watch the news and we see forest fires in California or in Australia, See huge fires across tens of thousands of acres. Uh, even more locally in the Peak District, sometimes we'll see uh, fires started out on the moors, started by a perhaps a careless cigarette thrown away or a, a, one of them little portable barbecue jobs. The result is devastating. The tongue has a power far in excess of its size. Wouldn't it be nice if that was always a positive power? If that was always something that was really, really good. Sadly, it's often negative. If we look into the book of Proverbs, there's a real long list. You could almost go anywhere in Proverbs and find a verse talking about speech and the, and the power of the tongue. Here's a couple. Uh, chapter 11, verse 17. Your own soul is nourished when you are kind, but you destroy yourself with your words when you are cruel. Uh, chapter 13, verse 3, whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. Whoever opens wide his lips comes to ruin. Chapter 18, verse 19, a brother who has been insulted is harder to win back than a walled city. And arguments separate people like the barred gates of a palace. Chapter uh, 10, verses 8, 11 and 21. Chapter 11, verse 9, chapter 12. Da, 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 it goes on. I can give you the list if you want to. There's loads of stuff there. It's an important topic. To how anybody lives, particularly a Christian. And we know that in our own lives, don't we? I, th I think you know, most of us would know this. Don't we remember the words that hurt us from years ago, from decades ago? That we can't seem to forget words which have the power to condemn or wound us even after many years. It's a pity we can't seem to remember the good words. But we, we often find it easier to remember the, the harsh words. Or the words we know that 
we've said that have wounded the ones who we love. We wish we could take them back and we can't. The words, even the words, <laughs> even words that we've said and have forgotten about after two minutes that we're not even aware of that have wounded people who we love. Our tongue has great power and it is too often negative. I think that's why, going back to verse 1, James says, not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Uh, I don't think he's talking about teachers in school generally, uh, although I think there's a, definitely a lot in this passage you could apply to that wonderful profession. Uh, I think he's particularly thinking about uh, teachers in the church. Uh, those who are called to teach in the church have a greater responsibility. And so James says those thinking of taking it up should think twice, should be careful. This makes total sense because words are powerful. The words we say here can have a big impact. And this is a very specific word that we are communicating, the very words of God. God reveals himself to us in our words. The words he has spoken, which are recorded in the Bible, these words are very powerful. They, they can condemn, they can give hope, they can bring peace, they can give us no rest, perhaps, until we respond. They show us just how desperately broken and sinful we are, just how desperately we need to be saved, and how wonderfully God has provided for us in the death of his son Jesus for that salvation this is the very word from god he wants us to know there there is no more powerful words to communicate and so god expects us to as people who teach it get it right the elders in the church the people who preach here on the people who teach at rec are held accountable by God. Uh, Hebrews thirteen seventeen talks about how the elders of the church are responsible for the flock. And, and here James is saying, yeah, and that includes the teaching of the word of God. So a couple of applications here, just before we move on. If you're thinking of teaching in church, whatever, whether from the pulpit, in Sparks, wherever it is, remember it's a high calling. It's one to be tackled with seriousness, with diligence. It's not something to be done lightly or for selfish reasons. It's no coincidence that the teaching of the Bible, whether in sermons or Bible studies, wherever it is, take up such a lot of the resource here at REC. There's other things we could do. But a lot of our time as staff and as, and as volunteers goes into teaching the word of God. Why? Because it is the most powerful thing we can do for the kingdom of God is to teach these words. Given its importance, given what James is saying there, make sure that if something you, you hear taught here, you think doesn't match up with this, or you've got questions, come to us and ask. That's really important. Hold us accountable for what we do. It is imperative that we get the opportunity to clear up any questions or concerns, because words are so powerful. If you're a member of the church here, uh, another application, under our constitution you get to appoint elders in the church who do most of the teaching here. Don't appoint people who are just popular or good looking 
But appoint people who handle the word properly. Who handle the word faithfully and communicate it in a clear and a grace-filled way. And when you're assessing that, when you're thinking about that, what you're actually doing is you're getting an insight into the person. You're getting an insight into their heart. Our second point. And this is why this stuff uh, matters even more, more than anything else. The state of our heart, that is, uh, the state of our spiritual life before God is indicated by what we say. So you can judge a teacher's heart by what they say. It's not just teachers, that's true for all of us. That's the application from verse 1, but but James makes it clear this is true for all of us. Jesus made it clear for all of us. Uh, Matthew chapter 12, Jesus said, he, he was speaking about the Jewish religious leaders particularly, This is true for all of us. Make a tree good and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognised by its fruit. Similar to what James says later on here. Talking about the the religious leaders, Jesus goes on. You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. The mouth speaks of what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. An evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. So here's the thing. James mentions our speech in every chapter of, of, of this letter. Because it's really significant when we're thinking about how our faith is, how, how, our, how our walk with Jesus is going. How closely we're following him. Our speech is an excellent way of determining the spiritual state of our heart. It's a monitor of it. It's it's an expression of our, our integrity before God. Do we speak angrily? A lot. Then we have anger in our heart that's not been resolved. If we stir up dissension with our words and this peace, an absence of peace in, in our heart. If we're seeking the approval of others, then perhaps we lack assurance in our our faith of of Jesus. You can go on and on and on, different things. I used to, at one point in my career, I used to do a lot of job interviews. I don't know if any of you have been in that situation where you've done a lot of HR stuff, human resources, whether you'd agree with this. It never ceased to amaze me how, despite obviously really carefully preparing answers and, and words in advance, how candidates would just, just reveal their hearts by, by what they said. Do you have any questions for the panel? Uh, yes, how does this uh, company handle internal promotions? Note to self, this person will not be staying in the job very well long because they're looking to move up the tree. You know, I mean, it's just there so often. If someone speaks kind words that are graceful when we've just hurted and insulted them, then that tells us they have grace and kindness in their hearts. If someone hears out one of our rants and then responds with patience and empathy, then they have patience and empathy in their hearts. Too often what comes out out of our mouths or or what we write on on Twitter or 
Hold on. Uh, let's, uh, uh, let's just talk about this for a minute. Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, it's the same as what we speak. It's exactly the same thing. Uh, Jewish scholars, I didn't know this, Jewish scholars used to uh, describe speech as an arrow. Uh, I guess when you've got a sword, it's under your control. You can choose who you hit and who you don't hit with the sword. Or whatever. But when you've got an arrow, as soon as you let it go, it's gone. It, it's left you. you. You don't know whether it'll hit the intended target or not. You can't control it. You can't get it back. It's gone. So when we say something, it's gone. When we post something on social media, bing, it's gone. When you hit post, I mean, yeah, okay, uh, you might be able to edit it and get it back. But at that instant, it's out there. People can see it. People who you didn't intend to see it can see it. So everything I'm saying in this, talking about here today, you can apply it to social media. Do apply it to social media, okay? Come on, who hasn't hit reply to all and then 10 seconds later gone, yeah, I know I have. Um, and then you do that frantic thing where you go on Google and you go, how can I recall an email that I've just sent? And you find that you sort of can't. Or you can, you can a bit, but not very much, you know. Oh, I can, I can still remember them. Um, anyway, where was I? Uh, too often what comes out of our mouth is just not godly. It's not helpful. Would you say it in the presence of God? Newsflash, he's here anyway. Yeah, you're saying it anyway in the presence of God because he's everywhere. And James says, verse 6, it corrupts the whole body. He's not talking about the church. I think he's talking about the human body. It, it, it corrupts our, our own life. Not just our, wor our words can corrupt our whole life. He, say, he goes on. He, say, he says, uh, the tongue itself, verse 6, the tongue itself is set on fire by hell. I think what that means is that the, the devil uses our words for evil. And that makes sense. Isn't Satan called the father of lies? Lies are things that we say with our, our mouth. Didn't, Jesus, uh, didn't Satan tempt Jesus with his words? Yes, he did. Satan uses words powerfully to corrupt us and cause us sin and damage because he knows the power. He knows the power that they can have. How, how, four of the Ten Commandments, the kids are leading, learning the Ten Commandments, four of them are directly what we say. And all of the others are made worse, aided and unbettered by words that we say. In terms of our hearts, Monitoring what's in our hearts, our words are key. And, and James is going to go on then uh, to pick up on, on one of the other themes in, the, the, in his letter, which is the idea of being double-minded. It's in chapter 1, crops up in chapter 2, crops up in, in any number of places. Look down into verses 9 to 12. And the illustrations that he uses, I love these illustrations that James got. They're just so practical, so, so easy to follow. Uh, our, our heart is, is often divided 
double-minded we the bible says we christians have this war going on inside us between our new nature that god's given us he's given us a new heart a heart of flesh but also we have the the old sinful nature inside us that is dead but for some reason doesn't seem to know it's dead and is still going through the death pains the result is that as christians we can be we can have this double speech going on he uses the example of verse 9 we praise uh, the lord our lord and father and we curse human beings and james points out this is this is crazy we praise god perhaps here we sing and pray and speak and yet on monday morning or even on the car on the way home on sunday we say bad things about various people but but newsflash that's totally inconsistent because those human beings like all human beings bear the image of god they're, they're image bearers they've been created by god the bible tells us each one has great value so when we curse them it's the same as cursing god and so we're praising and cursing at the same time we're being double-minded this makes no sense J james says it in a lovely straightforward way verse 10 this should not be yeah do it right mate this should not be this this double-minded thing he goes on with other illustrations uh, fresh water is sweet to drink uh, on a hot warm summer's day it's lovely to uh, drink a glass of water uh, when you're really thirsty you try to put a bit of salt in it um, it only takes a tiny amount so so if salt water is coming out of a spring that spring you just can't drink it it's just nasty it's horrible um again you don't get figs on grapevines you don't get olive trees on fig trees all all very clear whatever the state of our heart our speech will show it and that's bad news right that's really bad news our third point the key to following this is bad news because all of us fail in this level all of us stumble at some point go back to verse 2 james says it there we all stumble how many people are included in the word all all we all stumble in many ways anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect none of us are perfect james clearly implies in this verse we've all got a problem with this some of you know some of you may have read the book of isaiah in the bible in the old testament isaiah great prophet of the of the of israel what does he say when he's confessing before god his his own sin his sinful nature he says i'm a man of unclean lips he doesn't say i'm a man who sins a lot or does things wrong he says i'm a man of unclean lips what i say is not worthy of you god if we if we were able to control our tongues back in, back in verse 2 then james writes we would be able to be quite effective at keeping the whole body in check and away from sin of course none of us none of us do but the, but the implication here is that the more self-control we've got over the tongue the more we can live a life that's going to be pleasing to god the more we're going to live that life of of what james says in in chapter one 
true religion, something that's pleasing to God the Father. It's like the, the title of our series says, you know, it, it's, it's going to help us as we follow Jesus in all of our life, not just in our words, but in all of our life. Uh, verses 7 and 8, more bad news, I'm afraid, although we can tame all kinds of animals, we can't tame the tongue. As humans, we, we've tamed all kinds of animals, well, apart from cats, right? I mean, you can't train cats. But apart from cats, we've trained all kinds of animals. But, but we can't tame, tame the tongue. It, it's restless. I think that's a good word there. It's, our tongue is restless. You have in that situation, you've just got to say something. Is this, just, is this just me? You know you shouldn't say something. And you say to yourself, you know, I really shouldn't say this. And you say it anyway. And then as soon as you've said it, you go, why did I say that? That was crazy. Um, it's restless. An animal, imagine a, a, a dangerous animal like a lion pacing backwards and forwards in a zoo behind the bars. It's a dangerous animal. Uh, it might look like it's tamed and controlled because it's behind bars, right? It's, it, it's there. But it's just looking for a chance to get out. It just wants to get, just wants to get out. It wants to cause some havoc. And our tongue wants to cause havoc. It wants to get out from behind our teeth and cause damage. It's dangerous. James says it's full of deadly poison. What hope? What hope do we have? That, that all sounds really grim, doesn't it? What hope can we have? How can we fight this poison that will kill with a mere word? How can we avoid this? This forest fire that, that's set on fire it, with just a spark. Because James says no human can, can tame the tongue. That only someone who is, is perfect and never at fault could tame the tongue. Ah. At last. Good news. Good news. Because although our sinful nature is at work, with our words spreading conflict and hate, promoting our own sovereignty, destroying reputations, undermining assurance, spreading racism, encouraging others even to take part in our sin, there is hope. There is hope because Jesus sympathises with our predicament because he is fully human. He's 100% human so he understands what's going on because he's been there but also he's 100% God he's 100% divine and so because he is perfect because he has never sinned because he is in full control of what he says he can tame our tongue if we believe in him, that he is the son of God, that he was there when the world was created, how with words the world was created, that he, was, that he taught truth and love, how did he teach with words? That he, that he died to save us from, from the, the, our sin of saying the nasty things we say, that he rose from the dead and he now is seated next to the Father doing what? One of the things he's doing is speaking to God on our behalf. We can trust in him. 
And when we're trusting in him, God will change our hearts from hearts of stone to hearts of flesh. Ones that are capable of producing good fruit and not just bad fruit. He's going to send the third person of God, the Holy Spirit, to work in our lives and, and to progressively build up our hearts so that we do speak better. He's going to, going to fill uh, our hearts progressively with more love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and with self-control, the self-control we're going to need to do this. Way more than that, Jesus himself is the living word of God. He is the he is word. His words, Jesus says himself, my words are like living water. They're not polluted water like a salt spring. They're living water that is good to drink. We can't tame our tongue, but with a change changed heart we can start that process we can start drinking that living water and letting that be the the spring of our words as that is the fullness in our heart that that comes out in, in what we say this is the first and most important step without it we're not going to be able to tame our tongues at all because our hearts will be unchanged But with new hearts, we, we can start to uh, examine our words, to think about what we say, to follow Jesus more closely, to speak more kindly, peacefully, charitably about people, to build people up, not to tear people down, to recognise in everyone the, the image of God. And if we're recognising the image of God, we can see their innate value, not because of some, some uh, bill of human rights or something, but because they have been created by God and his handiwork is always good. And get this, get this back in, in verse 2. James is telling us that this is the key, not just to, to speech, which is fruitful, but as we say, if we, if we take this the, the other way around, it's the key to a more fruitful life in lots of areas. If we can get more self-control over what we say, then we will have more self-control in other areas of our life. We'll be more fruitful in other areas of our life. One writer says this, Control of the tongue is evidence of spiritual maturity. So we're talking about the monitor of the heart. But, it's, but control of the tongue is the means to spiritual maturity. So it's the key to follow, a key to following in that way. Because the tongue is so powerful, good fruit from what we say flows over to fruit in, in other areas of our life. That, that, that religion that, that James is, is testing here in this, in this book. So, how's your health check been? Are you quick to listen and slow to speak? Chapter 1, verse 19. Have you got a tight rein on your tongue? Chapter 1, verse 26. When you look at your language and what you say and even what you write in social media, how does it look? Is it thoughtful and gracious, encouraging? 
truthful, affirming, or, or is there work to be done? James is telling us there's work to be done. First of all, maybe, maybe we need to affirm the gravity of our situation, just how serious our situation is as people who break God's rules as sinners. But also to acknowledge how the grace of God is bigger than that. The grace God has given us through the death of Jesus is bigger than that. Put your trust in that today. Put your trust in him and receive a heart that is full of good fruit from Jesus. And that's like, that's like receiving all the tools you need to do your garden. I've got a lot of garden tools in my shed. Some really good ones, to be fair. They do a lot of good stuff. Uh, and I really want to use them. I mean, I really have a strong desire to use them. I feel called to use them. But if I don't get them out of the shed, the garden still looks a complete mess. Come round to our house and just see how well I'm doing with that. Uh, uh, God gives us a new heart. He gives us the Holy Spirit inside us. But, but we've got a role to play as well. We, we can't just go, oh, well, that's all okay then. That's good. Job done. Job finished. No, we've got to take the tools out of the shed. We've got to, we've got to actually watch what we say. Watch what we're doing. So a few questions to ask ourselves. For me, definitely, as much as anyone else. Uh, our heart's going to our words are going to come from our heart. They're going to overflow from in, in there. So what are we putting in? What are we putting into our heart? Humans are great parrots, aren't they? Yeah, if you've got a little kid, you know this. You know, the kid said something, you go, wow, I said that like 20 minutes ago and they've just repeated verbatim what I just said. This is scary, right? Uh, we're just the same. As old as so much of our model of speech comes from what we read, what we watch. So what are you putting putting in? What blogs are we reading? What, what are we watching on TV? Perhaps we need to change some of our input to make our output more, more helpful. Are there a couple of uh, our brothers and sisters who we can approach to hold us accountable? To regularly ask them, hey, you know, I'm giving you total freedom here. If you see, if you hear me saying things I shouldn't be saying, that aren't encouraging, uh, those things we say which sound encouraging, but actually we know aren't, and deliberately aren't, and we're like, you know, just slipping in something nasty when we say something nice. Ah, you know, someone who can pull us up on those things will be totally honest with us and say, you know, that wasn't good. Let me put it another way. There will be brothers and sisters here who you can do that with. Find them and just just ask them to be really uh, open with you about that. Uh, Do we need to slow down a little and think before we speak? You know, when you're doing your driving test, what is it, mirror, indicate, manoeuvre? You know, are you doing manoeuvre, indicate, mirror? You know, think first. 
Are we shooting off arrows that are gone and we, you, we wish we could pull them back? Is what we're about to say true and helpful? Is it at least really necessary? Is it encouraging? Is it charitable? Does it make peace? Is it gentle? Is it kind? Is it loving? Is it good? If not, something else we might do. Let's commit ourselves to pray in this area for our own hearts, for the hearts of our, the people in our church, that our tongues will be tamed by the, by, by the Holy Spirit. Pray that our church would not be overtaken by, by gossip and slander and rumours that, that so often can just destroy communities. Pray that we would speak the truth to one another, yes, but do it in, in love. Uh, one pastor who I talk, heard talking said a, a lady came up to me at the end of the church and said, I've, uh, I've been, just want you to know, Pastor, I've been given the, the spiritual gift of criticism. As he was, as he was, as he mentally puts his crash helmet on and waits for what she's going to say. Um, yes, speak the truth, but speak the truth in love. When we're hurt by the words of others, by, when we're hurt by the words of our brothers and sisters, and, and we will be, because what's that old song? You always hurt the ones you love, right? How do we respond? Do we withdraw and isolate? Are we even tempted to leave the church? That, that isn't a good solution. Instead, lean in. Show grace to one another. Overlook minor stumbles. If, if it's major stumbles, work through them together. Work it out. Let, let's get our heart right with God. Let, let the word, what did we sing? Let the word of God change and fashion us into the likeness of Jesus, that the light of Christ might be seen today. As the tongue is so powerful, let, let's, let's aim to tame it, not only so that it doesn't produce bad fruit, but because it produces good fruit. Fruit that's going to serve one another in, in our speech. Fruit that's going to love one another in, in what we say and in how we say it. How, how we can be peacemakers with our word, where there's conflict, how we can bring peace with the things that we say. How we can build one another up, how we can encourage each other with, from, the, from the word of God. How we can pray for one another, pray, we did it a moment ago, pray uh, together as a group to encourage one another, all the things we can do with our words, how we can tell one another about Jesus, remind one another about the gospel and his great truths, how we can tell people who don't know the gospel great truths about Jesus. Perhaps they would hear it for the first time. Who will go and tell people if we don't? Yes, yes, words can start a fire. Let's start the right kind of fire with our words. Let, let's start a fire uh, with, with this uh, powerful word of God. That's a better way to have tamed our tongue. Let's pray to Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the way in which uh, you have communicated to us through words you have not left us alone to speculate to speculate what you are like to 
uh, have to figure out for ourselves our great need of you. You have plainly told us our great need of you. And you have told us the solution to that need. Again, we don't have to figure it out. You have told us clearly how putting our faith in your son Jesus is the only way to be saved the only way to be saved from this restless, poisonous animal, which is our tongue. Father, we pray that we would all, all of us, myself included, all of us, be working at our speech, that we might honour you with what we say, that what we say would be helpful good fruit. Heavenly Father, our words are powerful. Uh, With great power comes great responsibility. Help us to be responsible with what we say. Amen. Amen.